Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah on the weekly Parsha from our Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Aviva Richmond. Let's listen. Hi, this is Aviva Richmond from Hadar sharing thoughts on Parshat Korach. Fire and flower, a not-so-subtle God. In Parshat Korach, there are multiple accusations against Moshe and Aharon's leadership and dramatic responses. Instead of viewing these through the lens of rebellion and punishment, one can view the various demonstrations as conveying divergent messages about the nature of God and what religious leadership looks like. Between the cracks of a fiery and violent display of God's power, there is also a hint of a gentle, nourishing, but no less powerful force. When Wisha first hears the accusations against his leadership, he falls on his face. He has adopted this posture before, but this time, one interpretation suggests that it is not a sign of prayer, but embarrassment. He is ashamed that others think he is motivated by nepotism and ego. Given all the ways he has put himself out there for the people, it hurts to be accused of malintent. His embarrassment swerves towards anger, and he proposes a test where the 250 leaders complaining against him go ahead and offer incense, and see if it is accepted. In the aftermath, when a divine fire consumes them, the people accuse Moshe and Aharon of much worse, saying, you have killed God's people. Death by divine fire does not bring any resolution. It just reinforces their distrust and fear of Moshe's leadership. They see the trial not as proof for Moshe's position, but as a ploy he devised, specifically in order for them to fail. The God of fire is the God Moshe knows. That is how he first met God at the burning bush. He spent 40 days exposed to this divine fire at Sinai on behalf of the people. It is understandable that Moshe sees his devotion to this fierce God as a source of liberation. But now it has become clear that unleashing God's force into the people's lives leaves them to think he seeks their harm. The people need a different proof of leadership. Unlike these violent and destructive demonstrations, the second test must show the people that Aaron and his descendants were chosen to serve in the Mikdash and that this is for the people's benefit, not harm. It must emerge from an understanding on Moshe's part that the people need to be acquainted with a different side of God to set into motion adaptive change so that both sides begin to view religious leadership in an entirely new way. In the test of Aaron's staff, the people witness a miracle that is not centered around sudden violent death and punishment, but around blossoming and flourishing. When Moshe entered the tent of the pact, there the staff of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted. It had brought forth sprouts, produced blossoms, and borne almonds. Aaron's staff blossoms and then miraculously grows young almonds that ripen right in front of the people's eyes. The image of blossoming and of the almond in particular is rich with meaning. Literarily, the blossoming by Yetzitz corresponds to the headpiece of the high priest, Tzitz, which bore the words, Holy to God, Kodesh Hashem. The organic and natural Tzitz flowering on the staff is symbolic of the Tzitz on the high priest's head. Yet this symbolism isn't only about proving to the people that Aaron has been chosen. It can work in the opposite direction as well. 
When Aaron wears the tzitz on his head, he would, from this time forward, be reminded of his staff that blossomed and how that image reflects on religious leadership. Associating the tzitz on his garment with the botanical tzitz could make him think of religious leadership that is rooted in growth and flourishing, not about punishing others. The almond, shakediyah or shaked, doubles down on this message. Its name relates to awake or wakefulness in Hebrew because it blossoms or awakens first in the season, heralding the blossoming and growth of all the other plants. Perhaps Aaron's blossoming almond stick conveys that the leader's blossoming is supposed to be a catalyst, heralding everyone else's growth. At the same time, the fragile teats is a reminder of fragility and triviality in the wake of God's ongoing presence. As we see in Isaiah, Yavesh chatzir, navel Grass withers, flowers fade. But, the passage ends, Devar elokeinu yakum le'olam. The word of God is always fulfilled. Lest Aaron become too absorbed in being chosen for divine service, seeing his own position as analogous to the delicate seats, reminds him that he will come and go. All that matters is the extent to which anyone felt a bit more aware of God's pervasive and ongoing voice and presence by virtue of his service. Finally, the almond's ripening, Vayigmosh Gedim, has rich overtones if we understand it in light of later passages in Tanakh. Jeremiah sees a flower stick in an early prophecy. The word of God came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen right, for I am watchful to bring my word to pass. On the one hand, this is a scary image, as the same root for the word almond also represents insistence and inevitability. Here, God assures that punishment will come. But at the same time, later in Jeremiah, God also insists on rewarding and rebuilding using the same word. Just as I was watchful over them to uproot and to pull down, to overthrow and to destroy and to bring disaster, so I will be watchful over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. The associations of the root shin kuf dalet shaked in the almonds on Aaron's staff bring to mind the fiery God who destroys and the equally forceful constructive God who builds and plants. This second test to prove Aaron's leadership is not just about proving to everyone that Aaron was chosen, but about embodying this transition in religious leadership. The almonds, Shkidim, acknowledge a destructive God and at the same time point towards a theology of flourishing, not punishment. The flowering staff can be seen as planting the seeds of a paradigm shift in how the people conceive of religious leadership altogether. Sadly, the people cannot integrate this message. Even with the gentle, beautiful symbol of the blossoming almond, their reaction is utter despair. It is finally sunk in how dangerous it is to have God in their midst and the need to stay away. The Israelites said to Moshe, Lo, we perish, we are lost, all of us lost. Hain gavanu, avadnu, kulanu avadnu. Everyone who comes close to God's tabernacle must die. Alas, we are doomed to perish. The people have been traumatized by God's ferocity. 
It is not so easy to bounce back to experience a nourishing God and to accept that the same religious leaders who invited an encounter with that ferocity actually want the people to live and thrive. Perhaps Moshe realizes that the incense test was traumatic, that the people now think their leaders are not there to protect them but to cause harm. He turns to the tribe of Levi and states very clearly that their role is to ensure no one else dies, specifically by coming too close to God. They must not play with fire, as Moshe did, but vigilantly protect the people from God's potency. This boundary-focused approach may ultimately reduce death and harm, but it doesn't capture the beauty and delicateness of the flowering staff that seats. In the drama of Korah, the yelling matches, the intense monologues, and the violent death scenes, we might ignore the subtlety of the flowering staff as an alternative way to establish religious leadership. This is to our detriment. As we see in the people's responses, leadership built on violence will only yield more fear and violence. The blossoming almond represents leadership that is about wakefulness, being alert to the potential for growth at the earliest glimpse of possibility, and setting the stage for others to blossom in their own ways. Shabbat Shalom. We'll close with a melody from the Song of Songs about wakefulness. Ani yeshena velibier velibier kondo dido fek Ani yeshena This episode of Tashma was produced by Jeremy Tabak and Sam Greenberg. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you.